Father God, I pray that you all of our hearts today encourage us with the good news. Amen. So, last week, Ali told us that things are radically different and the world is turned upside down since the creator of everything and everyone took on flesh and moved into the neighbourhood. Now everyone belongs because every single created being was envisaged and then formed with everlasting and unconditional love. That's why Paul could write in today's epistle to the Galatians that there is no distinction between male and female, nor slave nor free. Elsewhere, Paul would write that nothing and no one could separate us from the love of God, not even death. Like the psalmist foretold, God reached down into the bowels of the grave and rescued us all. Death is not the end. The havoc that our own sin wreaks on our own lives and those of others is finite. But we humans are hidden with Christ in God and shall have Zoe life forever. Jesus told us that the secret to Zoe life was to love God with everything we've got and to love our neighbours as ourselves. That's all of our neighbours. He told us not to judge. He told us his father's house has many rooms and that he was going to prepare a place for us. So why, oh why, do we practice such dualism? Why do we divide people into us and them over so many issues? We did this when Jesus wandered in the Holy Land with his disciples, and we do it now. We are right, you are wrong. God loves us, but not you. Send back the immigrants. Don't let the gays marry. Muslims are taking over our country. What's this stupid issue of pronouns? Don't all lives matter? Pick a prejudice. Anyone will do. We all have one. Even if we are trying to overcome it. But this is not how Jesus showed us to live. I love the passage in John today. Jesus sets aside so many of the culture's prejudices and behaves in ways that could seriously get him into trouble. He did it because it was the way of love. He talks to a woman and drinks from her cup. He talks to a person not of his religion. He talks to a foreigner. He talks to someone who isn't considered sexually moral. He talks to her 
away from the confines of a synagogue or temple. He tells her that there isn't one correct way to worship, but soon people would worship in spirit and truth. He knows her history of exploitation and abandonment. He feels her longing for kindness and spiritual refreshment, and he meets it. Shares his love without limits. It's to this woman whom he first tells the good news of the gospel. The kingdom of God had drawn near and she was part of it. And then he sends her to share the good news, which was also against his culture for women. This story makes me love Jesus even more than I already do. He is so loving to everyone and always true to himself. But the Bible can be tricky in certain places. I've started reading the Bible again this year. I've got one of those Bible in a year books. And I've just got up to the plagues and the Passover and the Exodus. It's very hard reading. I am wrestling with God like Jacob but I am adamant that I will always have a good opinion of God. As the Pentecostals would say, God is good all the time. I endeavour to have Jesus-tinted spectacles when interpreting Bible passages. He is the best one to help me determine theology. Theology is the study of what God is like. So because I am believing God to be good before I read a passage, I can come to any passage with more insight. Is the story an allegory? That is an invented situation written to try and help me understand a moral point of view. Is it exaggerated to make a point? Does it give opposite points of view before plumping for the correct one? Is it written for a particular purpose, in a particular point in time, and not meant to apply forever? Is it a historical account, making one side look good, whilst ignoring any merit on the side of the so-called baddies? Was it written by people who mistakenly thought God had said something God didn't? And is the Bible translation biased or in error when rendering Hebrew, Greek or Aramaic into my language? Has Holy Spirit led people to a new understanding of that passage? I'm going to listen to some Brueggemann about the book of Exodus. I'm not done with it yet. I'll keep you posted. The point I'm trying to make is that we need to be very careful with the Bible. It didn't fall out of the sky in its present format. If we see passages in the Bible that appear to contradict Jesus, then Jesus' teachings on love, grace and belonging get to topple war, hatred and division every time. What Jesus was heard to say by numerous witnesses was that we were to love all our neighbours. 
This message of love and inclusion was understood by the church fathers. These were those who had walked and talked with those who walked and talked with Jesus. They wrote their understanding and their ways of life down to be preserved right up to our time. They too can help us understand and interpret the Bible away from an us and them way of reading. So let's move the story of the woman at the well to modern times. Whom would Jesus speak to in the corner shop across from us on Upperdale Road if he visited it after church? Whom would he show love to? Whom would he tell that they belonged and were part of the kingdom of God? Whom would he ask to speak for him? Would it be one of our homeless brothers? Would it be a lesbian couple holding hands while they buy a loaf of bread? Would it be the Sikh grandad fetching sweets for the children? Would it be our Muslim sister covered up apart from her eyes, which still twinkled at him in response to his good afternoon? Would it be you as you buy milk after church? and get back to your everyday life after having done your Sunday duty. What would Jesus say? How would you feel to be in his presence? I think it would feel marvellous. Like I was seen and loved for my real self. I listened to Desert Island Discs on Friday. It was Bishop Gouli Francis de Harney. She is the Bishop of Chelmsford. Her story is very interesting. I recommend you listen to it on BBC Sounds. She said that she believes she has been chosen to be a bishop because she brings experience of being a persecuted minority, which the church has recognised it needs to learn from. She grew up as a Christian at school in Iran. Later, after the Shah was overthrown, she and her family fled Iran after an attempt on her father's life and after the successful murder attempt on her brother. Then she was an Iranian growing up in England. She has had much experience in both contexts of being an outsider. I think she'd fit right in in Normanton. She went to university and ended up marrying an Irishman. She chose a disc for the Desert Island by Sinead O'Connor, who was a favourite of her husband. I haven't heard the song before. I listened to it and then looked up its lyrics. Oh, take me to church. I've done so many bad things, it hurts. Yeah, get me to church, but not the ones that hurt. Because that ain't the truth, and that's not what it's worth. I'm going to sing songs of loving and forgiving, songs of eating and of drinking, songs of living, songs of calling in the night. Because songs are like a bolt of light, and love's the only love you should invite. 
Sinead was a survivor of childhood abuse at the hands of her church, but she knew how lovely Jesus is. Sadly, she has gone to be with him now. Dooley, like Sinead, dreams of a church where everyone belongs. She takes the gospel seriously. Our bishop, Bishop Libby, does too. What did she choose as our diocese strapline when she was made bishop? The kingdom of God, good news for all. Jesus told us not to judge anyone and to love all our neighbours as ourselves. That being so, and as we are all hidden with Christ in God, then what must we do about our us and them prejudices? Before I go, I want to tell you about a particularly odious comment from Facebook. It was from a know-all minister who thinks his interpretation of Scripture, his interpretation of Scripture, is so much cleverer than other people's. His interpretation of the word love was to threaten people that if they didn't agree with his version of gospel truth, then they would be sent to hell. So pointing out their error was his way of loving them. I think that man did not have his Jesus spectacles on when he was reading the Bible. I think Sinead would rather go to a Jesus-shaped church than to one where he was ministering. So would I. What about you? Amen.